I tell grandparents all the time, it's not the words you say. It's the example that you set before them. They are looking at you like hawks. That was Bart Gregston, who we'll be talking to in a moment. But first, welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. I'm your host, Wayne Rice, Conference Director for the Legacy Coalition. And I'm joined by my co-host, John Colon, who is Director of Development for the Legacy Coalition. John, we had a great uh, two days in Birmingham last month at our fourth Legacy Grandparenting Summit which is one of the reasons why we really haven't uh, had a new podcast recently. You were at the summit. Um, Any takeaways? What'd you think? Well, when you anticipate it for two years, (laughs) there's great excitement when you keep putting it off and putting it off. And, but man, when we gathered, there was a real sense of anticipation uh, and reception. I mean, people were hungry for uh, talking about these issues and, talking about their own grandchildren and how do we relate to them in this new world that we're in. And uh, no, it, it was almost a feeling of revival, Wayne. I felt like people were open and hungry for truth and for God to do something special. Uh, we're, it feels like for so many people, we've been sitting in the water just watching life happen. And I just felt like people were ready to jump back in and get involved and and use the materials and the information. But no, it was a Shades Mountain did an incredible job at hosting us. My goodness, going to put pressure on any other places in the future. But no, I came home flying like a kite and just thing thanking the Lord for showing favor on us. It was good. Yeah, it, it, uh, I, I came home really, really grateful. You know, I, I just, uh, as the conference director, I just knew um, that there were so many things that could have gone wrong. And yet, um, like you say, I, I, I think God gave us just an, just an incredible mm-hmm. event. And a lot of people were just talking about that. They felt it was the best, best summit that we had done so far which just was amazing because we had to change so many things and, and switch things out. And, and uh, it really felt like making lemonade, you know, out of, out of lemons, but, uh, but God did it and it really went well. It really went smoothly. And uh, all the speakers were, were just terrific. I don't think we had it. We didn't have a stinker in the bunch. And uh, it just was, it was really, really good. The whole thing and all the tech stuff worked well. Uh, we had a great time. But with the uh, summit behind us now, we can begin doing season two of our Legacy Grandparenting podcast. And uh, we're going to do something different from what we've done before. Rather than listening to previously recorded messages by our special guests, we're going to talk with uh, our special guests live and in person. And our special guest today is Mark Gregston, who's on the line right now. We He's just written a book, a great book, about grandparenting called Grandparenting Teenagers. I just got a copy of it recently, and I've read it. Mark is a longtime uh, youth worker. He's worked with students uh, in, in youth ministry and young life. He's the founder and director of Heartlight, a residential counseling center for teenagers located in Longview, Texas. 
Uh, he also has his own radio program and dozens of uh, other books to his credit as well. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Hey, great to be on with you guys. It's great to have you here. And uh, you were at our summit a couple of years ago, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting because, you know, I, I think that grandparents are probably the ones that get most ignored, uh, even though, you know, out of all the people that have lived to age 65 and beyond since the beginning of time, 82% of them are alive today. And so it's probably one of the most ignored group of people that's full of wisdom that our kids, our teens are dying uh, to soak up from. And and uh, and yet there's a little bit of a divide. And, and so I spend a lot of time helping grandparents make that connection because Teens need them desperately in their life. And there's ways that they can do that, even though they feel awkward and out of touch and everything else. That really doesn't matter. Uh, it has more to do with the way they engage and, and uh, how they listen. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're with us. I, you know, our mission is to get get those get those uh, older folks off of the tour buses and uh, into, the faces, <laughs> into, into the faces of their, their grandkids. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about your new book and learn more about how to grandparent teenagers in a moment. But first, we're going to ask you 10 questions that uh, we call our Legacy Grandparenting Podcast Poll. It's a scientific <laughs> poll, and it's it's just a way for us to get to know you a little bit better. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. All right. Number one. Best book you've ever read. What is it? Yeah, it, you know, it, it, it's called uh, Step Up or Step Out. And uh, it's, it's by a guy named John O'White. And for me, it was, uh, it was just one of those books that you read at the right time that, that encourages people to either let's get on and do something or let's get out of the way and let somebody else do it. And I'm one of those kind of guys, kind of a type A personality that, that uh, wants to get things accomplished and yeah. wants to get things done. And so um, even as a grandparent, I mean, yeah. I've got four grandkids. They're wonderful. And, and uh, I kind of sit back and I go, look, if, if, if I don't feel that role, um, somebody else will. Yeah. And I know they're not near as wise as me and they don't have near as much gray hair as I do. And they <laughs> surely don't have a mustache from 1880. And so there's a part of it where I want to bring a little bit of history and wisdom and and perspective into their life. And so uh, I just love that book. Okay, good. Let me, Wayne, let me throw one more question in. How long have you had that 1880 mustache? You know what? Yeah, I, I grew it out. Now, this is the crazy. It became an 1880s mustache probably about 15 years ago. Uh, but I've had a mustache since I was a senior in high school. And uh, lost you it You could one. grow hair in high school? Oh, golly. I mean, it, it was amazing. You know, it was amazing. I mean, it's, it's, I, I really grew it out. I, I had it blown off in an explosion once and lost all the hair in my head. But, but, you know, other than that. Okay. Let's get on with our poll here. A day in your life that you would like to live over again, maybe because it was such a, a tremendous day, or maybe it's, you want to do over either way. Uh, Rhonda, you know, I thought about that question and, and, um, you know, the days that I'd want to do, the day that I'd want to do over is every day that I have offended somebody or made a poor choice and hurt somebody. Mm. Uh, all the other days I wouldn't. I, I'm, I, I'm good. I, I mean, I'm really good. You can put them in the uh, bag. Well, yeah, except for the way that I proposed to my wife. I think we were sitting in, 
in in the driveway at her house in the car. And I just looked at her and I said, are we going to get married or what? I mean, that was it. There was nothing on your knee, nothing else. I mean, it was just, so I wish I could do that day over, but anytime I've hurt somebody, you know. All right. That's the way they proposed in 1880. I know. (laughs) All right. Your favorite song when you were in high school. Well, it it had to be a a song uh, by Free called All Right Now. Um, But really anything by the Beatles or uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash were. uh, But it's just called All Right Now by Free, and we played it. I swam competitively for years, and that was our theme song, and we all loved it. (laughs) I'm going to look it up. Best pizza is found where? Uh, Definitely La Dulce in San Jose del Cabo down in Mexico. Um, Really? Mexican pizza. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. They do it a lot better than us. And, uh, but it's, it's wonderful. I, I, I spend a lot of time in, in Mexico writing and, uh, try and get away from the craziness of life. And, and, uh, I get to go there, but I always go to La Dulce and I love their pizza. Cool. A hobby or outside interest that you really enjoy. Well, I, I enjoy collecting old Winchester rifles, as you can see in the back. I I, uh, I picked up the banjo a few years ago and, and uh, have been playing the banjo in hopes that I could be just like you one day, you know, and, and um, uh, it, that and water skiing and horses and, and uh, just a little bit of everything. But uh, I just, I, you know, my hobby is to have fun at, at a lot of the things that I'm doing in life. And that's that's my hobby. Yeah, I've always told uh people in ministry, you know, you really need to find that other thing out there yeah, and yeah. do it, you know, with passion. Someone who had a really big influence on you. You know, there's a guy named Joe Mooberry. Um, he passed a few years ago, but it's a, a, a man that I was a youth minister at a church and he took me under his wing. He was the minister of discipleship. And we got up every morning for three years, Monday through Friday. And Somebody would bring donuts every morning, and he and I listened to Chuck Swindoll every morning for at least three years when Chuck started his radio program, and and uh, and then we'd spend time just talking about it. And I I would tell you that that guy just had a major influence on me. How you met your spouse, your wife? Her uh, name well, is yeah, Jan, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Jan. Uh, we met in a ninth grade biology class dissecting <clears throat> frogs together. We learned about frog <laughs> sex together, and. Uh, First time I asked her out was to when this Christian band came through Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, called Led Zeppelin, and uh, and so that was our first date in ninth grade, and we dated for six years, and then got married after our sophomore year of college. What uh, what do your grandkids call you? Papa, Papa. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, got I've got four grandkids: nine, ten years old, uh, nine, ten, uh, sixteen, and twenty-one. And uh, so they're kind of spread out a little bit. Now, do you did you tell them that's what you wanted to be called or did they just start calling you that? I think they just started calling me that somewhere. The name came up uh, whenever I whenever I'd go to Russia or go to orphanages in in Ukraine. Kids there would always say, Papa, Papa, Papa. <laughs> and so I'd come back and I would talk about how these kids just grab your heart when they say Papa. Yeah. And um, I think it was the first word that came out of my grandkids' mouth when they were born, um, before they said mom or dad or anything. They said <laughs> Papa, and it worked. Okay. Got a couple more questions. Uh, anything left on your bucket list? Um, you know, I, 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 my bucket list has probably created the beginning of each year. I wanted to cross the Atlantic, um, 
So I'm going to do that in April. It's going to take two and a half weeks and we're crossing it on a boat. And um, uh, I just have wanted to do that. I'm not so sure why, but it's, I cross it off. You don't get seasick, do you? No, no. Um, (laughs) We're going to find out. I tell you, we're going to find out, you know, so we'll see whether it's a good idea. Where will you port? Where in Barcelona, can... Spain. We'll go out of Puerto Rico and, and then go to Barcelona, Spain. And so I may have to carry a bucket with me the whole time if it, if it doesn't work out well. But okay. it'll be good. It'll be All good. right. And, and your favorite Bible verse? You know, the, uh, Galatians um, Galatians 6, 9. Uh, Don't grow weary in doing good, for in due time you'll reap if you surely sow. Yeah. Um, I've just learned that with kids. You know, I I mean, we've had over 3,000 kids live with us through the years. And um, and sometimes you feel like you're beating your head against the wall or sowing seed that's just going to fall on rocky ground or anything else. And, you know, I, I've learned a long time ago that my job is to sow seed. And uh, uh, and, I've got to, and I've got to follow up with the second verse just because it's out of 2 Thessalonians. It says, for we were well pleased to share with you. Uh, not only the gospel, but our lives as well. And uh, and so I've always been one of those guys that goes, you know, I want to pour my life into kids and at the same time sow seed and uh, and then let God do all the rest of the stuff where I don't have to worry about it. That's really good. Well, thanks for uh, answering the questions. I think now we know you a whole lot better. So that's, <laughs> that's good. Pizza in Mexico. Yeah. That's right. That's our, right. Our guest is Mark Gregston. And uh, Grandparenting Teenagers is the name of the new book. One thing I noticed right away about your book, Mark, is that you don't spend a lot of time explaining teenagers, you know, why they act the way they do, uh, what, uh, you know, what is going on in their lives developmentally, all that kind of stuff. Instead, it's a book about relationship building, how to connect to a teenager's heart. Is that the bottom line for you? I mean, is it all about relationships really? It is. Learning teenagers. Yeah, it is. It it is. I, you know, I I think at this point in my life where scripture says that, that gray hair is the glory of old men, you know, there's a, there's a part of it that, that I've learned a lot through the years that, that if you have a discipline problem, you have a relationship problem. And, and so somewhere figuring that relationship out and becoming to uh, a child, what they need rather than what I want, but really what they need makes all the difference in the world. And because most of the time we talk about grandparenting, really the pictures that you see and everything else are all kids one through 12 years of age. You don't see a whole lot from 13 on up to 13 to 19, which is probably the most crucial time that that uh, somebody needs a grandparent involved in their life because they're no longer searching for information. They're searching for wisdom. And the only way that that wisdom can be conveyed is is not necessarily by words all the time, but more by the actions and the observations that those kids have, the reflection they have on when they come into your presence and the example that you set. And you would never have the opportunity to do those three things if you didn't have a relationship with them. And so, you know, when kids get to be that 12 and 13 years of age and and uh, and their social circles begin to expand. This, what what gets left out are grandparents usually because of the lack of connection. It's almost like they they really believe that if I continue to do the things that that uh, that got me the coffee mug that says world's greatest papa or world's greatest granddad or they gave me the t-shirt that says world's greatest you know granddad. You know, I mean, if I just keep doing that, then it'll work during the teen years, and it doesn't because we've got to switch from this teaching mode 
to a training mode. And it just means I engage differently with them so I can offer them what they need as they start to make all these internal changes in their life. Okay, you mentioned uh, it's got to shift from a, from a teaching mode to a training mode. Yeah. Uh, how does that translate into your relationship with your teenager? Well, it, it, it means this. Instead of talking all the time, I'm going to be spending more time listening. Instead of me making decisions for them, I want, I want to encourage them to make decisions. Instead of me doing everything for them, I want them to learn to be responsible. Instead of me lecturing them, I don't do that. We have discussions. We move to a, a different level of engagement. You know, I, I don't give answers anymore, and which is really kind of funny that, that you think that's what they'd be looking for. But I, what I'm doing is, is asking more questions to stimulate their thought, to kind of cultivate all those seeds that have been sown into their life by their parents who have done a wonderful job and by grandparents who have done a great job in pouring into their life. But I think it's and it's also moving from just sharing information to now sharing wisdom that that I've gathered in life that's unique to me because of the connection that I have with the child. So I begin to share not this world of perfection, but perhaps my struggles and my difficulties and more of the stuff that I've wrestled through. Not those places where I have everything together, but maybe where I'm a little bit disheveled so that I create an atmosphere where a child feels like it's okay to be somewhat disheveled and to struggle through things as you talk through different issues with a child. <clears throat> yeah, now, Mark, are your are your grandkids close by? Are they far away? Um, both, both. The you know it, it's interesting because I've got two that live just a uh, hundred yards from us, uh, so I get to pour a lot of time into them, and the other ones live you know miles away. And uh, I'm probably uh, just because of my travel schedule a lot more distant from them than they are from me you know, in a way. So I have to work hard. I mean, yeah. I just, I'm always working hard to figure out a new way to engage with them. Yeah. I, you know, I wrote a book on long distance grandparenting because my yeah, grandkids yeah. all live far away, but even when they were close by, like you say, I, I tell a lot of grandparents, you, you don't have to live far away from your kids to be a long distance grandparent. Yeah, you have yeah. to be intentional. You have to make an effort to stay connected with your, with your grandchildren. And, um, you know, uh, you write quite a bit about in your book about grandparents adjusting to the teenager's world uh, rather than mm-hmm. expecting them to adjust to ours. And I'm just wondering, um, how much do grandparents need to know about the world of youth culture and adolescence and and pop culture and all those kinds of things in order to stay yeah you know, to be able to relate to their, I, cause I think a lot of yeah, grandparents yeah. are fearful that they're just so out of it. They could never mm-hmm. really connect with their grandkids. Yeah. yeah. You know, what a great, great question. And I don't think they have to be up on everything. I don't think they have to know who the latest singer is, who the great movies are. I, I, I don't think it's those things because I, I, cause I believe in the power of a relationship. Uh, it, it's interesting that that uh, that anybody that can move toward a child and and make them feel valued, important, make them feel special, make them feel encouraged, that doesn't spend all the time correcting them, telling them where they're wrong, how they need to do it different. I mean, a child moves toward that. And plus, that that you know, when a when a when somebody starts sharing wisdom, um, wisdom is just wrapped up in perspective, and and most kids can't get that perspective 
from other people. And so it's important that we know kind of what's going on in the world. I mean, if, if we're kind of a, if we're one of those grandparents that is anti-cell phone and anti-internet and, and we're going to have a big disconnect. Um, but there's still wisdom to be shared in that when, when a grandparent starts giving perspective compared to other parts of their life where they, I mean, it, it, it's like today, everybody says the world is just an absolute mess. And I go, really? I was, let me tell you about the sixties. Let me tell you about part of the seventies, you know, and, and you give perspective rather than sharing your opinion all the time. Scripture says that, that a fool delights in airing his opinion. So I don't, I share perspective when they ask and I'm, I'm not sitting in there just saying, okay, I'm going to keep tackling them and feel like I, their parents didn't do a good enough job raising them spiritually, so I have to do it. I don't do that. I spend time with them, and they will see the word becoming flesh and being lived out in some way that just looks a little bit different. You know, Mark, some parents may, I mean, they're looking at their world from this gender dysphoria and sex before marriage and and um, the political stuff, the abortion, yeah. and all these issues that scare parents to death. How how would you encourage grandparents to enter into this new world that our grandkids are uh, living in? And it's so foreign to us. Yeah, yeah. Any well, suggestions? I, yeah, I do. You know, I, I tell parents all the time, you can either raise a kid to live in a zoo or you can train them how to you know, survive in the jungle. And, and so I want to know about that jungle. I couldn't, it's like the transgender stuff. I, I couldn't tell you all the different definitions, but, but I can share some wisdom about what I've seen, you know, in, in that world and, and how people are, get confused and how people are wrestling through things. But the most important thing that I think for, for, a, a young person, you know, a teen, because the tendency is they will know people who are, you know, are going through this difficulty in life or making changes. They know that. And because they long for relationships with those people, they look at it different. So I need to make sure that I'm not coming across judgmental, nor am I coming across that I know everything. But I tell them this, and, and I'm one of those guys. I was the Oklahoma, Oklahoma Bible quiz champ of 1969. I know scripture. I've memorized it all my life. I, I, I know what scripture says. I believe in the inerrancy of God's scripture. But I tell kids all the time, you know, I wrestle with some scripture about how I'm supposed to engage with certain people. So I create an atmosphere where we can talk about that because I know I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to solve it. I mean, the whole homosexual debate, I mean, all this stuff has been around for so long. And so it's not the issue that I solve it. It's the issue that I convey truth and speak truth into their life to help them as they formulate what they're trying to formulate. I don't try to always bring him to me because I, I have antiquated thoughts in a lot of ways. And if they turn me off, then it shuts down the opportunity for me to have any further influence in their life. And I don't want to do that. Mark, I, I sometimes hear from teenagers that their uh, parents or their grandparents uh, continue to, to treat them like children. <laughs> and, um, I think grandparents are guilty of that sometimes when we still buy them toys for Christmas and yeah and uh, clothes that are too small or you know pajamas with feet in them and so on <laughs> and, and so you know you got kind of get the big eye roll and and uh, yeah, but yeah. but um, any advice on how grandparents can help help their grandkids uh, just make this healthy transition from 
childhood or how, how actually we can, as grandparents, can make that transition because it's hard to not still see them as, as children. Well, yeah, because we think it's a more perfect time. And uh, and I'm, I'm one of those guys that really believes that conflict is a precursor to change. So I'm OK with conflict. I'm OK that 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 my granddaughter and I can disagree on some things and still have a wonderful relationship. I think that's why we have a wonderful relationship is because we can disagree. And I, and I think it's, it just means I want to engage in some way that I'm, I'm keeping in touch with them, but, but I'm listening to them rather than feeling like I need to create the environment that they need to listen to me. I, I mean, the, the, if I'm listening to them, I'll hear their heart. I will know what they think. So I ask a million questions. And then when they come back and ask me a question, you know what my answer is most of the time? I don't know. I think I, I need to think about that because the minute I give them a, the answer, then there's no reason for them to come to me again. And so so this conversation that I have with them is not a one time shot where every man wants to fix everything or every grandma wants to just, you know, talk, 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 talk. It's listening so that they know that there's a place, there's a safe place that they can go. They can park themselves and feel affirmed. And they can, and and that I am learning as a student of theirs, rather than them, be, them being a student of me. I want to be a student of them and find out about their world. Yeah, that's really good. I loved your chapter on uh, on keeping your sense of humor in your <laughs> in, in your yeah. book. I think I've always dreaded getting old because so many old people just get so grumpy, and I've never yeah. wanted to be that grumpy old man. But uh, you give a lot of good tips, uh, including advice to grandparents to just keep a good joke handy for the next time you see your grandkids. Yeah. Got any yeah. good ones? You well, with us? <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, I probably, I mean, I live with struggling teens. I'm probably a little bit edgy in some of my jokes and, but I do tell grandparents any scriptural joke that they have, it's not funny, you know? And, and I, and so I'm always one that goes, let's, <clears throat> let's look at TikTok. Let's look at videos. Let's look at YouTube Let's you find the craziest thing and, and let's and let's come up with things that make us laugh. And I and I think that's true. I think laughter is another form of worship that that somewhere there's a confidence that I don't become grumpy because I'm confident who I am, that I don't know all the answers and that I can be an older guy that that maybe doesn't have it all together. And so for some reason that attracts kids to me, whether it be my grandkids or other kids because they don't see that all the time, because what they see is a world where they are demanded to be perfect, where they are always in comparison with somebody else, where they're bombarded with information. I mean, they're, they're drowning in, uh, in information and, and, and starving for wisdom. And so I want to be that one that, that just engages just a little bit differently and not necessarily always have a joke, but always have fun about different things. And I think, you know, I, what I want on my epitaph is that um, I think the most spiritual thing that somebody could say about me is that Mark was fun. That was it. And because I think in that it, it creates an atmosphere of attraction that we can learn to laugh. When my grandkids come in the door, I'm not sitting there going, well, this is, these are the lessons I need to teach them this time. And I need to make sure that they know that sex is a sacred you know, communion between a husband and wife. And I, they need to know the scripture that, that backs up all the, 
No, they don't. They already know all that. And mm-hmm. they know all that because we've done a wonderful job as parents and grandparents teaching them that. What they want to know is how to put feet on that and how to engage in the world that they live in. And so when we start giving them the answers that they seek, then it's it's far better than me trying to give them answers, you know, that I want them to have. And and in time, because we have a long time with our kids, short of us dying and passing on mm-hmm. or you know, we have a long time to have that influence in their life, and we don't have to solve everything while they're teens. My old friend uh, Mike Atkinson has a has a daily uh, little email that he sends out called Mikey's Funnies. It's kind of a joke of the day kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, his, his joke, uh, I think it was either this morning or, or yesterday when I got the email, was so, uh, this kid goes to the beach and finds this bottle and rubs it and a genie pops out and says i'll give you three wishes uh so the kid says okay my first wish is i want i wish math didn't exist and so the genie says done you're out of wishes (laughs) (laughs) you see you know and and if every time if every time your grandkids came to you and and they they would be going okay what's the next joke yeah yeah. and i think that's a wonderful way to engage with them i mean and and sometimes we think that it all has to be spiritual all the time spirituality is not something that we do spirituality is something that we are and, and, and the mere fact that we can balance out our faith and not be afraid to share that along with the funness of life and, and enjoy the opportunities that we have, because we better be making memories before we lose ours. You know, that, that, that's that a great line. I know that, you use it in your book. Make, in fact, that's, that's a chapter, isn't it? Make, yeah, make yeah. memories uh, before you lose yours. Before you lose yours, <laughs> yeah. because you will. It's, and, it's gonna, and this time is going to pass. So it's you take advantage of it. And and I think it's the balance of that, that we become a living example. You know, and I tell I tell grandparents all the time, it's not the words you say. It's the example that you set before them. They are looking at you like hawks. They are they are trying to grab as much from you as they can. And it's not your words. It's your actions. It's the way you engage with them. It's how you treat somebody else. It's how you tip whoever is at the restaurant with you. It's how you speak to your spouse. It's how you honor somebody that you're in conflict with. It's how you resolve difficulties and hardships. It's how you grieve through the death of friends. They are watching that. And that speaks louder than any words that you'll ever, ever be able to say. Yeah, it's good stuff. You've You've worked uh, most of your career um, with troubled teenagers there at Heartlight. And uh, I'm just wondering, has working with that population um, impacted your view of of adolescence in general? You know what? I used to do mm. some, some parenting seminars, and I'd always tell yeah, parents, yeah, yeah. look, don't believe the myth of the teenage werewolf. You know, that that every time a kid, as soon as puberty strikes, they suddenly turn into these uncontrollable monsters. And and what it does is then it sometimes becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I'm just wondering, um, uh, how do you you counsel grandparents on, on viewing adolescence as a stage of life? 
You know, I, th- I, th- I think there used to be that time that, that when you had a troubled teen, they were the incorrigible juvenile delinquent that lived on the other side of the tracks. And I can say that I'd live next to a railroad track. And so, <laughs> I mean, but, but I, I, that was the idea and they need to be sent off and they, you know, and, and, and I've always had a heart for that. And I, when I was 19, I started leading a young life club and, uh, uh, I, which was interesting to me that that somebody walked up and said, "Do you want to lead a young life club?" And I said, "Well, sure." And so, so my fiance and I, Jan, I, I mean, we started leading a young life club. And within two weeks, a man came up to me and said, "I'm struggling with my son. I don't know what to do." And I said, "Well, I, me neither. Let him come live with me." And he did, and and he lived with me for three months. I was in college, getting a degree in finance and real estate investments, and. And, um, and so I, I, I learned then that living with kids gives you an opportunity to, to have an influence that's completely different. And here's the crazy thing. So we, we ended up, you know, dealing with kids that were harder core kids, but they really weren't. They were all kids that had grown up in the church that had been to every camp there is across the country that has, been involved in uh, Awana, Young Life, uh, His Life, Your Life, Campus Life, uh, I Don't Wanna, you know, I mean, all those, whatever it is, they're involved in everything. And our kids, our kids weren't rebellious. They were lost. And so now here we are 45 years later, 3000 kids later, I probably only met about five, truly five kids that I would say were rebellious. The kids that I meet, are lost. They're just lost. They're making poor choices. And they've gotten lost because something tragic has happened. Somebody died in the World Trade Center. A space shuttle blew up. And, you know, they and they're no and what I found was they're no different than my kids. They're no different than anybody else's kids. And 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 so they're wonderful kids. And so to to the answer of that is we get the idea that when a kid struggles, that they become a bad kid and they really don't. And so the tendency is to walk away. And I, and I would say that's where grace has got to be extended by a grandparent that isn't mad because they violated some rule, but the grandparent can be the one that offers grace and moves toward them when they have every reason to walk the other way. Because I, I think what I've learned over a period of time is there is no bad kid that every kid has the ability to 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 fall off the edge and and uh, and to get into trouble and they're just one poor choice away from being an absolute mess and i i mean i mean if you looked at the kids that live with us you i i promise you you would say that's the finest looking group of kids that i've ever met and you would meet the parents and yeah. you would go this is a wonderful group of parents and so i think we used to have that idea but that idea for me stopped 30 some years ago. Yeah. And so I just look at it differently, <clears throat> even though we take kids that, you know, get kicked out of a youth group or get kicked out of a Christian school or, you know, or they just don't think the same way as somebody else. But they're all good kids are just struggling. And I want them to know that when you struggle, that you're loved just as much as when you're not struggling. And and I think that takes the unconditional love of God himself. And I think it takes a saint uh, like grandparents. I think every grandparent is a saint that that wants to move toward their grandkids and long for that relationship. And it happens because of, of, of their love and their ability to see beyond the behavior 
because the behavior is just the visible expression of the invisible issues that are happening in the life of a child. <laughs> Good stuff. I love the uh, subtitle for your book, uh, Mark, Leaving a Legacy of Hope. If there's <laughs> anything that uh, we need to give our, our grandkids these days, it's hope. Um, yeah. Uh, what can we do? And you've you've already spoke to, to, to this uh, already, but um, just as we wrap things up, how can grandparents leave a legacy of hope for our grandkids yeah. today? Well, you know, there's a scripture that says that that uh, you know that uh, basically that a good person leaves an inheritance to their children's children, and uh, I get that idea that that. Uh, a legacy is not what you leave in their bank account, but it's what you've deposited in their hearts. And, and so I would always be asking the question is that what am I doing and how am I, how am I depositing into their hearts? And it's usually through interaction. It's usually through engagement. It's usually through doing things together as long as you can. Um, I mean, we all get to the point where we're not going to be able to record on radio or, we're going to start forgetting things or our bodies aren't going to follow our spirit that we have uh, the you know where where the spirit's willing and the flesh is weak and it starts get we start getting confused and everything else that's going to happen one day but until that time i think that that the way to engage then the uh, makes all the difference in the world and the way in which we engage and flesh out the scripture that that i truly want that I, I want the word to become flesh and dwell among my grandkids through me. I, and, and that will point them in the right direction. I want them to not only hear the word of God, which I hope they do. I want them to see it being fleshed out in their lives in people that aren't so controlled by the stupidity of people sometimes in their 30s and 40s that wish, like I do, that they can go back and change some of those things that they did wrong that we have the opportunity. We, it, it's a mulligan. It's, I mean, I mean, grandkids are a reward for not killing your own kids. And I mean, I'm convinced of it. And, and, but it's a second chance to, to, to leave a legacy and to make an impact in such a way. Cause, cause beyond your grandkids, you're not going to be remembered un, unless you've killed a bunch of people or you're a rock star, you know what I mean? Or a great banjo player like you are. I mean, I'm, I swear a hundred years from now, people are going to be going that Wayne Rice guy. I tell you what, he can play the banjo, you know? So. Oh, not anymore. But uh, listen, uh, Mark, how can people get a copy of your book? Uh, the book is grandparenting teenagers just came out. Do they need to order it through you? Is it on Amazon they can, or what? Amazon, they can go anywhere, anywhere they want. Yeah. I mean, and, um, you know, call me, we'll give it to you. You know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not one that is big on selling books, but but uh, but I am uh, very intent on helping people get the resources they need and hopefully helping them take what we've learned about grandparents' involvement in the life of, of kids and how that's changed their life and just sharing some of those stories, ideas, and thoughts with them that, that will help the teen. That's really the intent of the book. It's, it's not to help the grandparent. It's ultimately to help the teen. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's kind of my, my heart more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. I have people sometimes uh, say, so now you're doing ministry to grandparents. And I go, no, I'm still in youth work. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. what I the who I really care about are the grandkids, you know. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, it's just the grandparents are, are such an important part of, of that. Uh, John, you were going to say something there and I cut you off. Well, I was, you know, I, you know, you have the title of teen whisperer (laughs) and and it was really, my thought was what we were just wrapping up here with that. Mark, you, you have focused on teenagers all of your life. And here we are, you know, three old youth pastors, but you stayed in it. You stayed in it. But my question was, were you a troubled teen? Where Mm -hmm. did you learn all this? Where did you get to your heart for teenagers? I've always asked myself that question, you know, and even as I say this, you know, I, I did not have a strong relationship with my dad. He's in hospice right now. And, and uh, uh, there, there just was, there wasn't the relationship that, that I longed for. I swam competitively for 13 years. And, and uh, so I was always busy doing other things, but didn't get into trouble, wasn't a mess and anything else. But I did spend a lot of time and I've always been one that says, if we're going to spend time doing things, let's make sure we're producing something. And so I'm very intentional about if we're going to be leading a young life club, then let's make a difference. If we're going to be a youth pastor, let's make sure that lives are changed. If I'm going to be living at a, at a camp, let's make sure that that camp is making an impact on people. And so the same way, I, I think that, that, it's just seeing that there's so many things that don't work and it doesn't mean that they're wrong. It means that we need to try something different. So that's all I've done is just try different things to engage different ways to see what works and what doesn't work. Somebody asked me once, what's your basis of the stuff that you write? And I said, it's really experience. My degree is in real estate investments and finance, Um, but it's really just the experiences that we've had of counseling with thousands of, you know, parents and and spending time with kids and living with kids and and really learning what works and what doesn't work with them. And so if it wasn't for the 60 kids, the 65 kids that I live with, I don't think I'd have the basis to write anything because whatever I do, it's got to be very practical because it's got to work. If not, I'd have a mutiny of hmm. uh, of kids rebelling against us. And so I've been very intentional about saying, what works with this? How do we resolve these family issues? How do we get this family to a better place so that 10 years from now, we can look back at this time and laugh that God will turn our mourning into dancing, our sadness into joy, and our ashes into beauty. And it would be something that we can go, God did a great thing there. And so I've just been intentional on that. And um, even though I haven't known what I'm doing all the time, for some reason, part of it's worked, so it's been good. Well, you know your your book uh, is 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 really practical. It's one of the things I I really love about reading it is it's, it's wow. it uh, it's not just a lot of lot of theory or or uh, uh, but it's 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 some what to do's lot lots of things of things that grandparents can yeah. do. So thanks for doing that, and thanks for being uh, on the podcast. On Absolutely, grandparenting marks. Pleasure talking with you. And hopefully we can do this again sometime. I would love to. Our special guest has been Mark Gregston, the author of Grandparenting Teenagers. Uh, His new book is just out. For other resources, uh, visit our website at LegacyCoalition.com and uh, be sure to mark your calendar for our 2022 Legacy Grandparenting Summit, which is going to be held on October 20th and 21st in Pontevedra Beach, which is near Jacksonville, Florida. 
or you can uh, attend at a simulcast location near you. And that wraps up Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. Until next time, this is Wayne Rice and John Colon saying so long and praying that you have a great week of intentional Christian grandparenting.